Welcome. This is Whistleblower Network News, and I am Jane Turner, FBI whistleblower, advocate for whistleblowers, and today I am so excited. This is a momentous occasion. I have on today Stephen Cohn, who is the founder and chairman of the National Whistleblower Center. He's the founding partner of Cone Cone and Calapinto. He's a lawyer extraordinaire, recognized internationally as the expert on whistleblowing. Welcome, Stephen. I am so glad to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Jane. That is very kind words. Very no, I kind. understand, Stephen. Uh, you're short of time. You've got a big event you're going to, your son's wedding. So I'm not going to waste time here. But I understand you were over in England. And I know you were not on a secret mission for the United States government. I also know that something's going on. Can you uh, fill us in on what you were doing over there and what is going on in the international world of whistleblowing? Sure. So there is tremendous interest worldwide on whistleblowing. And in the United Kingdom, it's like it's not unique to other countries. We've we obtained requests as lots of people, but UK is a financial center of the world. London is. Uh, we are doing the Howard Wilkinson case, the whistleblower who blew the whistle on the largest money laundering scandal in world history. It's highly relevant now because it was $230 billion laundered from Russia to the West. So you can pretty much assume all of the oligarchs that are prompting up Putin and all that corruption, all that money flowed through this process. And, and, and Mr. Wilkinson, who's now hiding out in the UK and is a UK citizen, uh, you know, was instrumental in that. And all of the phony LLPs, they set up hundreds of phony, hundreds of thousands of phony financial entities for the laundering all set up out of London. So London's a big center of worldwide corruption. It also means that London financial interests profit from the money laundering because as the oligarchs were putting their money out of Russia, they're putting it in Western banks. So Western banks are getting billions in deposits, even though it's corrupted money they're still profiting. That explains how that money laundering scheme could go on so long, so vicious, and it just until one whistleblower <laughs> turned it all in. Which brings me to my trip to London, which was the first stop was to talk to bank investigators. These are people who work for the big banks. But their job is, is to find fraud and corruption. And my sole mission was to explain to them that they have whistleblower rights under U.S. They work for a bank that's part of the worldwide financial system. They can use these new powerful U.S. laws to blow the whistle. And then I explained the very unique procedures for investigators and auditors to obtain protection. Uh, and, and they really, they didn't know what their rights were. They didn't understand that they had protections. And, and just so the audience can follow it, 
if a company hires you to do internal audit, in other words, the company's paying you to find problems, you're in a different situation than, say, a normal whistleblower who finds a problem and reports it to audit. Now, audit's job is to investigate and see what's going on. It was a gigantic controversy. Can someone who is paid by a company to investigate problems turn those problems into the government and become a whistleblower? And we had a big fight with the SEC, big fight. We met with every commissioner one-on-one, probably sent in 15 letters both my firm and also the National Whistleblower Center, we led the charge on this issue. And guess what? We won on a three to two vote. On a three to two vote, the SEC said, auditors have all the rights. But here's how it works. If an auditor learns of the violation as part of their job, you have to give the company 120 days to self-report it to the government. If they don't self-report, every person in a compliance function from the hotline operator to the auditor, to the director, to the chairperson of the entire board of directors audit committee, everyone can file a whistleblower claim be fully protected, and get 10 to 30% of the sanction. So this entire process is set up to empower the auditors, to make the banks know that they either listen to them, conduct fair and thorough investigations, or else your entire audit force can turn you in. Furthermore, if there's any sign of a cover-up, the auditor can go straight to the government and collect a reward. Any retaliation, any cover-up, you don't have to wait 120, go immediately. They love this. The auditors did not know they had these rights. They did not know this was the law. And that was my primary reason for going to the United Kingdom. Secondary was I worked with a group called Whistleblowers UK. So this is a new organization out of the United Kingdom that wants the the United Kingdom to pass laws like we have in America. And they're doing a great job. They have members of parliament supporting them. They have drafted a good law. And I tell you, it's so good to see European NGOs getting involved, fighting for whistleblower rights. So I did two present two shows for them, and uh, it was a very very successful uh, uh, trip. So I know Stephen that you work very closely with United States politicians, very closely. In fact, you help them in so many ways that people aren't even aware of, and you have very close relationships. Are you going to be having those kind of close relationships with members of Parliament? Yeah, I would certainly hope so. And I have in the past. Uh, And I want to just clarify one thing, which is we're totally nonpartisan. We work the Democrats, Republicans. We work overtime 
to demonstrate that anti-corruption knows no bounds. If a Democrat takes a bribe, if a Republican takes a bribe, who cares? Corruption is corruption. And we're totally focused on making sure, and we don't care. We don't care if the whistleblower is, is on one side of the political spectrum or another. We, we just got to go straight up the middle. That sometimes makes it harder to gain as much popular support. You know, everyone loves to pick their team, you know, team Democrat, team Republican. So much in our society is filtered through this, uh, through this conflict of these two ideological parties competing. And it's a real competition for votes and for political power. But from our perspective, whistleblowing and anti-corruption only works if it's something in the middle that makes everyone play by the rules of honesty, specifically in terms of bribery, corruption, tax evasion, cheating on government contracts, violating environmental laws, et cetera. So uh, we're doing the same. So in the United Kingdom, I met with people from different parties. I've traveled to Europe before. I've met with many parliamentarians, most of which have been open. I've met with government ministers. I met with the president of Bosnia. I met with the minister of justice, like from Hungary. And we'll work with and talk with everyone to, to bring what I call the good news that whistleblowing works, that whistleblowing is super effective in fighting fraud and corruption, that we know how to do it. We just have to get the governments to listen. Yes. And, and so you are uh, wanting to continue these relationships. It sounds like, Stephen, you want to continue these relationships into the future and be that effective force out in the world. You've gone from the United States and you're now branching out into the world trying to show these incredible laws that we have enacted here. And is, is that successful? Are you finding that people are open to that kind of thing? Because I know in the UK, they've mentioned, well, you know, you Americans, you do things for money and we don't do that over here. So uh, have you run into little roadblocks here and there? Well, the stereotypes against whistleblowers are prevalent everywhere. And the stereotypes that whistleblowing won't work is prevalent. But we can counter it and we are countering it with objective empirical data because under some of our laws, they have to categorize which frauds were brought in by whistleblowers, which came in by the government. And you can actually see through objective data, through dollars and cents, how successful whistleblowing is. Just today, this morning, I spoke at the World Justice Forum in, at The Hague. There was a uh, I spoke by videos, it's a gigantic international program. And I, I went through my slides. I, I, I showed how effective whistleblowing is when it follows the pillars, permitting confidentiality, prohibiting retaliation, incentivizing through compensation. And I laid out all the numbers. And I just got feedback that the people, many of whom were whistleblower advocates, anti-corruption officials, government officials from around the world, the, the word I just got back through an email is they were, quote unquote, blown away because the reality of whistleblowing defies the stereotypes. When you look at how effective whistleblowing is on, say, an area like tax evasion or foreign bribery, 
and you look at how many prosecutions, how successful, and then you look at the stereotypes, which is often the whistleblowers are going into exile, going into jail, getting shot. But anyway, that does happen, but it doesn't happen that frequently. I've got thousands of whistleblowers in anonymous and confidential programs worldwide, worldwide, because people from foreign countries can use our laws in the appropriate circumstance. So no one really, they don't understand this, but once they see it, guess what? There's hope. We can fight corruption effectively. We know what we need to do. It's just, can we get the governments to go along with it, to to actually establish effective programs? That's the real fight here. Yes. And and you really are the tip of the spear. You are kind of the whistleblowing prophet out there wandering in the international area. I've had contact with Ireland, who has mentioned that they listen to our program and are very interested on stuff you post and the National Whistleblower Center, they find it so interesting. So your outreach is definitely stretching out there into the hinterlands. So tell me some of these success stories internationally that you've encountered because you have spread this word. So first, you can look objectively under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, just one of our laws that has a great whistleblower provision. The OECD, which is a very Western, it's it's an organization of the governments of the major Western powers. It's like, you know, it's capitalism, like, like the big bosses. And they did an audit of our program and praised it. And what's interesting about that, these were international people that were in, I actually gave testimony before them, and they were very skeptical about U.S. laws and U.S. rewards. And you get this skepticism, you know, from people around the world. But when they studied our program, they came out and 100% endorsed it. OECD, the U.N. has now endorsed whistleblowing. The IUCN, which is the most prominent international environmental and wildlife conservation organization with like 150 countries members, like 2000 NGOs, not only has endorsed whistleblowing now, just this year, they've endorsed the payment of awards. We're seeing this this growing recognition. So we have to take this recognition and convert it to activism and to change because people hate corruption and we have tools. I will also say that, you know, I'm very fortunate because I have my own, I work for a law firm that we established, but there's also an independent nonprofit with National Whistleblower Center and the newspaper that we're talking to now, all of which are pushing out an international agenda. Most of my clients are non-U.S., not just the money laundering client from U.K. We just won a gigantic case in, in Greece where they were bribing up the, and driving up the medical costs for Greece. And uh, the Nervatis Greek, uh, drug company was sanctioned $320 million for paying illegal bribes in Greece to drive up medical costs in their state uh, medical system, which obviously hurts all people. And Greece is having trouble economically. So, you know, that, that law worked. And, and I'm representing people around the world right now. 
and effectively, I can see that how these things are, are working. So National Whistleblower Center was over at The Hague. And Wynn has an international correspondent, Mark Worth. And we're, we're, we want this to be worldwide. We just can't be in America. Corruption is worldwide. We got to stand together. Yes, it is. And how are you able to accomplish this with you do not have a massive a group of employees at your behest? How, how are you managing all these incredible events and the stuff that's occurring with such minimal staffing? Well, first off, you can't say you can't let out those trade secrets. We get these calls from law firms and say, can you please tell your fax department? And it's yes. like, oh yeah, fax department, fax department, yeah. where are you? Yes. <laughs> don't, yes. don't let anyone know. No, we are gigantic. Yes. In my back yes. office there, I got at least a hundred people cranking around yes. and you don't see them. In the mail room. In the mail in the room. Mail room. So, yes. uh, but in, in, in point of fact, we have just incredible people. I mean, so Siri Nelson, our executive director, is driving things. Mark Worth, who works with us, he has three whistleblower groups in there. He's been doing it for 20 years. Jane, you are a treasure. And as I'm sure people who watch this know, she was the most effective FBI agent fighting the toughest crimes on Native American reservations, fighting for the rights of women, the rights of children. She had a gigantic reservation all to herself. I mean, she was the top lover. She, we won her case at a jury trial, not because I'm a great lawyer. We won it because she was a great, great agent. Two assistant U.S. attorneys who worked for the people we were suing. With, we couldn't even subpoena them voluntarily traveled from North Dakota to Minnesota to take the stand and say that Jane Turner was number one agent and she was brilliant. Well, you're very kind, Stephen. And you're very saying, kind. But this is the but, quality of people we have yes. working for us. That is true. You do have and quality yeah. over quantity. We have some of the absolute yes. Fred Whitehurst, my law partners, people have been doing yes. this for 30, 40 years. We have the, the, the best people and we, we welcome more. We're hiring often, but I want to tell you something, the honor of working with people like Jane and Fred and other whistleblowers. I mean, come on, you just can't do any better. Well, that's very kind of you. Um, but I, I'm interested in hearing some of these international cases. I know when you were years ago fighting the FBI, you even managed to drag in the director of the FBI sit him down, put him under oath, and ask him some really hard questions. And I heard he said he would never allow a subpoena again after you got done with him. So you've branched out from those uh, very incredibly high-profile cases in the United States. Now you're overseas. Tell us about some of these ones overseas that you're involved in, and who are you dragging to the table? So... At the bottom line, there's an old whistleblower case about mine safety as a miner who got fired for complaining about coal dust. This is one of the first cases. And that was clearly an environment case. It was a mine health and safety case. But the judge who wrote the decision, who was very conservative, appointed by Nixon, 
he comes straight out and says it all. He says, safety costs money. And what he explained was that profit stands behind most corruption. People don't dump toxic waste because they're Dr. Evil in some crazy movie. They dump toxic waste because it's cheaper. Yes. And and they manipulate stock prices because they want a better return on their investment. They want to report higher stock values. They know if they don't, maybe people won't hire them, could even lose their job. The profit motive drives it. And so once you start figuring this out, guess what? The heart of corruption is actually the worldwide financial system. Every bribe paid gets money laundered and most likely ends up in a Western bank. All the illegal tax evasion ends up in a Western bank by the billions and trillions. So one case, for example, Bradley Birkenfeld, he was looking at $20 billion in U.S. accounts, all illegal. Now, who has an illegal account? Well, it could be just someone wants to cheat on their taxes. But where's a drug dealer put their money? Terrorist financing, corruption of every sort. So when you're looking at illegal offshore bank accounts, you're actually looking at the financial manipulations of worldwide corruption. So in our case out of Europe with the Russian money laundering, we're able to trace some of that money from Russia to Estonia. They flip it. It goes into the Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, or Deutsche Bank. Those were the three banks where all the money went, but Deutsche Bank, New York. Then we traced it back, and all of a sudden, it's paying. It's being used to pay bribes to undermine democracy in former Soviet republics. So that's what's going on. So, so, but because we can get them, because once they enter the worldwide financial system. We have these great laws and we can actually catch them. And that's what it's that's what we're doing now. We're using these laws on bribery, money laundering, taxes to catch the biggest crooks in the world. And Stephen, I'm going to mention something here that I think is really important and right up your alley. Uh, You know, in all these whistleblowers we've interviewed, all of them heroes, all of them warriors. Um, uh, you know, the case of May Edwards stands out to me. She was the FinCEN whistleblower the financial uh, with the uh, Treasury. And, you know, she was on to something there about all this money circulating around the world. But unfortunately, she didn't have the legal assistance. She tried to kind of do it all by herself. And you know, it, it. I don't know how we can get across how important it is because these laws are so complicated. Yeah. I mean, she got jammed up on, on time limitations. They did it on purpose. I could see it when I looked at everything on the time limitations, on what forms had to be submitted. They made it so complicated. So can you kind of give us yeah. some insight here. So I'm going to give you some insight. I know our time is now running short, so we have to do yes. another podcast. We will. So we we will. need to do a podcast on how to blow the whistle when you're working on information for the government that's confidential or classified. 
because there yes. are a lot of good-hearted people in good faith who see these problems, not just her, but you have like Reality Winner who saw mm -hmm. that the Russians were breaking yes. into some state election things. And, and they need, they don't know how to go about it without landing in jail. And there are ways to do it. So I'd love if you can have me back on your show. I will have you back. And focus on that. I want to talk about that. That's a message that has to get out. So other people don't pay the price of trying to do the right thing. I would love that because these poor people sit, they sit in jail. It's a travesty. Yeah, it's a travesty. But the damage is done and they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, the amazing about the case you mentioned is the government itself admitted that her disclosures served the public interest. Yes, yes. So what can we say? Like we, and even, we need yes. to figure it out. There's ways. Well, and I, but I see our time is running short, Jane. I really would appreciate to come on back. We're going to have you on. Thank you. You are extraordinary lawyer. And we just think you're wonderful. We'll have you Thank back. You, Jane. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Take care. Bye. Love you, my friend. Bye-bye. <laughs>